Welcome to the Best Player Wins Podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. I'm your host, Jake Deemer. With me is Jerwin. Um, and it's done. It's over. The season is over. We and the, the grind is done. Um, and I, I'll tell you what, no one believed that I was going to take home the championship. Not one of y'all said that I was going to take it home this year. Not a single one. Just like how Travis Kelsey said last year that nobody picked the Chiefs to win the championship. A similar thing happened this year in this league. I'm sure not a single person picked me. But next time, you're going to have to put some respect on my name. Jerwin, um, as we as we know, this was the uh, podcast host only championship. Um, and thoughts on on how it transpired? Um, it could have gone better. It could have gone worse. Um, there are some things that happened for some people that were good, and some things that did not happen for others that were not good. And that I think is a spot on analysis. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, that that's right up there with the team that scored more points won. Um, <laughs> so, but anyways, uh, as as we just said. The team that did score more points was me, uh, and I defeated Jerowin 529.4 to 437.9 to claim my third championship. In the third place game, Scott um, lived up to what Jerowin said, uh, beating Nate 579 to 433.6 um, in the third place game. So Scott earns third place, makes it onto the podium, and Nate comes in fourth. All right. Um, so we're gonna do just general takeaways. Um, we can do we can do some from last week, or it could be for the whole year, Jared, when you can start. Yeah, my first one is just the absolute waiver wire clinic that uh, you put on for this championship. Uh, I should have had these guys pulled up and ready to go, but give me give me just a second and I'll have that. Mark Canna, uh, Luis Campusano, uh, let's see, Nolan Jones, how could I forget him? TJ Friedel, all of these guys, Willie Adamas as well, all of these guys picked up very late in the season or almost just for the championship. I know a lot of like some of them were perhaps on your roster but not starting um this was just this was just absolutely a a triumph of playing the right guys at the right time nolan jones 35 points tj friedel 37 uh i i think the of the guys that you just picked up and started because you needed starters they combined for like a hundred plus points or something like that in the first week of our matchup. And uh, yeah, that was, they made up for, and, and I know if you had started someone else, they wouldn't have scored exactly zero, but those guys basically accounted for the entirety of the difference uh, in this matchup. So um, really just a testament to the importance of waivers, even this late in the season, um, and how, you know, you pay a lot of attention to waivers early in the season because you want to grab that guy who's going to 
be that breakout and be on your roster all year long. And those are really important. But it's it's just as, if not more important, to to keep tabs on things. And, you know, you, you got to roll the dice sometimes and pick the guy who's going to He's going to start for you when it matters. And sometimes it works like we see here. Yeah, I think there's a very distinct difference between what I did here and like the mantra start your guys. Like for most of all, I I didn't do this perfectly, obviously, but the guys that I did have, like TJ Friedel, I didn't put in ahead of like a, I don't know, I guess to use your team, like a George Springer. I didn't have that. So I, I think that there's a difference there because if if you have a guy you've been starting all year then um you you would just keep starting them because that's my takeaway is to start your guys because that almost bit me a few times um the three instances that i can think that i didn't do it not one of them worked out um the first one benching for amber valdez for james paxton uh, that did not work um i benched josh Hader in the championship game in the first week of the championship for I think Brian Wu, that also didn't work. Um, and there was another instance in round two, I think it was round two, um, where I now I can't recall who I benched, but once again, I did not start my guys and it didn't work. So I think that's one of my takeaways is if you have good players, just start them because more often than not, like even if they're slumping, more often than not, you're going to miss out on a bit. Like better players just have a better chance of being better <laughs> and so, uh that's a quotable a quotable advice there yeah so like don't get cute just start your guys um the follow-up on that though just I, I did have another takeaway that streaming um does not really get talked about and it's like streaming of all kinds because i think in this matchup the, the hitting that i that i streamed was um, I, like the pitchers, I, I didn't stream pitchers. I I streamed hitters, and um, I, I think streaming of all kinds is kind of a very underrated aspect of uh, the game here that we don't doesn't seem to get talked about nearly enough. Um, but I, I would argue that that's up there with uh, like waiver wire ads and um, probably even trading at this point with the with the way that we do trading now. But I would argue that streaming is right up there right up there as well as, as being extremely, extremely important. Um, Cause if you, you know, if you can do it right, you're like maybe my utility, my utility spot throughout the playoffs probably averaged about four points per game just based. And I, it wasn't one single guy that I had in there the whole time. It was just a few, a few streaming options. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's very important and it doesn't, that, that skill and that, um, I guess there's not really a whole lot of focus that seems to be put on that aspect. Um, Jeroen, any other takeaways? Yeah, I mean, just a general thought on the season, piggybacking off of that, kind of, kind of both points that you make about streaming and about starting your guys, um, especially with how competitive the league gets, how close some of these matchups end up being throughout the year and especially in the playoffs when like you just you gotta either win or you go home um it's important to have that core group of guys who you're just starting every week because you can believe in them 
And I think also important to recognize that some of the people on your roster are not those guys. And it's okay. (laughs) It's okay to not, uh, to not start them, to pick up someone off waivers who's maybe a hot hand and they'll have a good chance to to outperform, you know, whoever it is your your struggling bat who you drafted in like the twelfth round, but you still kind of believe it, it's it's hard. I get it. Like sometimes you're like, oh man, I I really believed in this guy and it feels bad to not have him in the lineup but when it comes down to the wire and you're in the playoffs and it can come down to two points like you're right streaming you just got to pull the trigger sometimes and uh having having that balance of having having the core group of guys you can trust and being able to to pick up the right guys at the right time, I think is a big key to to success moving forward. My last takeaway for the season is that I think I've changed my tune on drafting prospects. Um, with the way that guys were promoted this year, and I, th- I think this has to do with MLB introduced some new rules about prospects and service time. So this was the first time we we'd kind of seen teams operate under these rules and the results were that more prospects were called up this year than I can remember in a single season. And a lot of them, a lot of them hit. Uh, so I, I think, I think I've changed my tune on drafting prospects. Um, a lot of the guys that I kind of poo-pooed and said wouldn't come up actually ended up debuting this year. Um, and they, they, there's a good chance that they'll turn into um, some pretty good keepers. So I can, I mean, there, there's an upper limit to that. I kind of think that I, the draft hasn't happened yet, but I can already say that Paul Skeens went too high. Like stuff like that's <laughs> going to happen. Um, I st- I think I agree with what Nate said way back when. Like, pitcher prospects probably shouldn't be picked before the twentieth round. I think I agree with that. Um, we're still going to have prospects picked too highly, but I-, I think a lot of those guys that we we thought before maybe wouldn't debut. Uh, they they actually should be on your draft board just in case but you do have to keep them on your roster if you're going to do that. Because if you drop a guy, like, like you're only you're only giving an advantage to the rest of the league, I guess is the good way to put it. So if you're going to draft a prospect, you better keep them on your on your team. Um, but I, I think I'm more much more open now after seeing the results from this year to uh, to draft prospects. So that's kind of my my other takeaway. Um, but that that'll that'll do it for our. Uh, last week recap the last one of the year Uh, so we'll go into our main segment um, and these are awards Um, so similarly to uh, the actual MLB we decided to to name an MVP Cy Young LVP and the Jeff Locke award for the worst pitcher for one for each division Um, and then we have some extras like best keeper and and so on so Jerwin and I talked beforehand since we're basically the uh the media in lel uh we just we get to decide on on the awards because that's how mlb does it for whatever reason so without further ado um we'll start with the east division mvp our finalists 
Mookie Betts of my team, Matt Olson of Eddie's team, Freddie Freeman of Nate's team. And the winner is Mookie Betts of my team is your East MVP. Mookie, why don't you come up here and claim your award? Uh, it appears that Mookie oh, Betts is not here. Yeah, Mookie Betts is not here to claim his rewards. So I will be claiming it on his behalf. Oh, um, sad. Yeah, we picked him, we picked Mookie Betts on, in part because, um, I mean, he was like the third highest scorer. But Freeman actually scored ahead of him. The reason we went with Betts is because of the increased flexibility um, that he provided by being eligible at multiple positions, one of which was second base, which I utilized to fill in for Altuve. I had Mookie Betts at every elig- every position he was eligible at for at least two weeks this year. Um, he was excellent and lived up to everything I could have said. Some other some honorable mentions that didn't make it into the finalists, uh, Corbin Carroll, Kyle Tucker, and Marcus Simeon all also had excellent years. Um, and they are also deserving of MVP honors. All right, moving on to the Cy Young for the East. Or should we go for the... Actually, let's go with the MVP for the West. And our finalists, Ronald Acuna of Scott's team, Cody Bellinger of Nick Lee's team, Bobby Witt Jr. of Scott's team. Jerwin, would you like to announce the winner? Uh, The winner is... Ronald Acuna Jr. Ronald historic season for Ronald Acuna. Ronald, why don't you come up here to claim your award? Uh, like Mookie, Ronald could not join us tonight, so I will be cl- I will be uh, claiming this reward on his behalf. Um, Ronald Acuna is this was a truly historic season. He almost reached 800 points, which is just absurd. That's just nuts. Um, he, I think he finished what, like less than eight points shy of it. That's crazy. This is a new all time record. Um, this breaks the record previously set by Justin Verlander in 2019, uh, by a good amount. Um, so Mookie bet or not Mookie bets. Ronald Cunha is your new, uh, all time points leader. Um, absolutely shattered the hitter record, but also has the overall record as well. Um, so congratulations, Ronald Cunha. Going back over to the East, we're going to go with the Cy Young next. Um, And our finalist for this one, Spencer Strider of Nate's team, Garrett Cole of Eddie's team, and Zach Gallen also of Nate's team. And the winner is Spencer Strider of Nate's team. Uh, The reasoning here is that we went over him, or we went him over Cole. Uh, despite Cole having more overall points, Strider's eligible as a relief pitcher and just blew the rest of the relievers out of the water. Um, I, I think that Cy Young is kind of the pitcher version of MVP, and the uh, the relief pitcher edge here is just too much to overcome, I think. Uh, Jerwin, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, he he would have had to have a pretty mediocre season to to not get Cy Young being being the best spark in the league by a long shot. Yep, I I agree. All right, moving over to the West. Um, Cy Young for the West. 
our finalists are Blake Snell of Jerwin's team, Pablo Lopez of Nick Lee's team, and Logan Webb of Scott's team. Jerwin, who's our winner? That would be one Blake Snell of the San Diego Padres slash Mighty Vibes. Who will probably win the real Cy Young as well. Uh, I think we we picked Blake Snell mostly because of his just insane second half. And like that was one where I looked at the trade. The, the trade that you made sending Tyler Glass now was very unexpected. And at that point, Snell hadn't like his he he was on his good good streak, but it hadn't boosted his numbers a whole lot at that point. So like it, on the surface, it looked a little iffy. But man, did that work out really well for you? That was a that was a great move. Yeah, that uh, that felt uh pretty good in hindsight. I agree. I was like I was iffy about it originally as well. Um, and you're right. Like his numbers were still kind of mediocre at the time but over the pre the prior 60 days to the trade being made he was he was sp one or two i think so like that's (laughs) the start to the year he had was just that bad (laughs) and then he completely turns it around and could win real cy young plus lel cy young Absolutely. Now we're going to get into the more fun ones where we get to like make fun of players. So starting out, least valuable player for the East, our finalists, Mike Trout of Leagueville and Knicks team drafted in the first round. Jazz Chisholm of, uh, I think he's JC's team. Uh, he was drafted in the third round, not by JC though. And Paul Goldschmidt of Nate's team drafted in the second round. Also not by Nate. And the winner is Jazz Chisholm is your least valuable player for the East. Um, I don't want to say this one wasn't. I think the like the, I think it's the combination of like we thought it was kind of an iffy pick at the time, and then it like Jazz just isn't good for our league. His his skill sets just not does not line up with what our scoring values. Um, so that was my thought process. So anything to add on on Jazz Chisholm? No, I think I think that's about right. Um, yeah, I, I think the the tiebreaker is the fact that it was questionable at the time, and also to kind of validate Nate with his call out of this is the the new third round Alberto Mondesi pick. Yeah, um, and I guess just to to clarify with the, with Trout and Goldschmidt who weren't actually like bad on a per game basis. It's just the opportunity cost of drafting them and the guys around them were you know, like better. <laughs> they just did not finish real, like, really high in the overall scoring based on reflective of where they were drafted, which is um, refactoring in the draft costs, not just how bad, like how good or bad they were. Uh, so moving over to the West, our finalists, Nolan Arenado, Drafted in the so this yeah the second round by Brendan, Manny Machado drafted in the first round by Jerowin, and Carlos Correa drafted in the third round by Nick Lee. Jerowin, who's our winner or loser? <laughs> the least valuable player for the West, 
this season is going to Carlos Correa of the Minnesota Twins slash Team Cedemer. Yes, I don't really know what happened with Carlos Correa. He just was bad like the entire year. I don't know what else there is to say. <laughs> yeah, this one we didn't talk a lot about, but I kind of felt like it was a little bit sketchy of a pick. It, it was a pick based on like, oh, I think he's going to be it was a sketchy better pick. than last year. Um, And I can, I, I understand it. I think I understand it a bit more than, than jazz, but it, it was, was a sketchy was pick in the, the sense. Yeah. It was a sketchy pick in the sense that you could have just kept him off of my team for like a seventh rounder. Oh yeah. I forgot that's, about that part too. Yeah, that, that's why I felt it was a little iffy. But I mean, Correa is always like he's always seemed to underachieve in fantasy for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's our fault for overvaluing him. But he's always seemed like someone who's who just in theory should be better. Maybe if we had defensive points. Well, even then, I don't think he was that good on on defense this year. Oh. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. All right. Well, let's go to the Jeff Lock Award. Um. So in the East, our finalists, Aaron Nola. Drafted in the second round by Nate. Justin Verlander drafted in the first round by um by Sam, but I think he was kept there. Kept, yes. And I'm gonna we, we actually have four finalists here. Um I guess I'll just list the two of them. Uh Max Scherzer drafted in was he in the first round or the second round? I can't remember. Second round, I believe. Second round. Yeah, second round. Yeah. So okay, second round. By uh, is that by Nick Lee? Yeah, that was by Nick Lee. And last, Shane Bieber also drafted in the second round. Um, that was by Scott, I think, right? Yes. Yeah, that was by Scott. I should have had this written down. <laughs> All right, Jerwin, who is who wins the prestigious Jeff Locke Award? Uh, this year it goes to Shane Bieber of the Cleveland Guardians slash Team Eminon. Slash, I think he got traded at some point this year. Do I have that right? Maybe he's oh, you still know, on Scott's team. No, no, no. He got traded to uh to Mike, I think. Okay. Right? Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe now I'm now around. I'm now, now I'm doubting it. Man, did we just give that to the wrong the wrong we division? We might have given that sworn. to the wrong division. That's I could have sworn that he was on that's Mike's team. Well, we'll just give it to the legacy, the draft pick. <laughs> Okay. All right. The other division. This podcast um, is this... going well. <laughs> yes, this is great. You could you could tell we've just packed it in. Uh, <laughs> it, we're like we're, we we have the same. We're bringing the same energy level that like the A's were in mid August. It's like they already know the season's over. They're just waiting for it to be done. Mid June. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. The Jeff Locker were in the other division. Um, this one is probably a slam dunk. Alec Manoa of Jordan's team drafted in the second round. Carlos Rodon of oh, Brennan's team other ones? kept in like I, I figured we should honor the the uh should honor the runners up. The runner. honorable mentions, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Hunter Brown of of uh of Scott's team. Yeah, this the winner's Alec Manoa. I mean I, <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what happened to him. That was truly an enigma, to say the least. Yeah, truly an enigma of the sport. And, and like, it, we talked 
early in the season, we were like, oh man, that's not a great keep. I feel like you should have drafted someone else in that spot. But for him to have been this bad, my goodness. Like, I thought it was at least possible that he could live up to a second round draft pick. Like, he could have had a really good year and done that. But exactly the opposite. A hundred percent. It was just dreadful all around. Like, he got sent down, I think, two or three times. And he just, like, the low point had to have been when he gave up, like, seven earned runs in single A or to, like, some A ball kids just fresh out of high school or whatever. Yeah. It's just starting off their pro careers. That had to be the, the low light of the season among many low lights for Alec Manoa. I wonder what happens with him next year. There was like there was nothing redeeming about his season, like whatsoever. I wonder what happens to him next year, like where he gets drafted, or what happens to him, like career wise. Well, he'll have to be starting with the team, maybe, to be drafted because he's he's currently in the minors. Yeah, I have no idea what's gonna happen with him. All right, moving on though, uh, best keeper. Um, we got plenty of these, um, although there's there's like an obvious one, I think. Uh, Spencer Strider, one who was kept in the 21st round by Nate. Bobby Witt, kept in the ninth round by Scott. And I'm going to say Kyle Tucker, kept in the ninth round by JC. Had an excellent year. Um, and our, our winner is, is Strider, just for the... Uh, Witt and Tucker, I believe, both scored higher than Strider did, but Strider's obviously a much, much later cost. So I think Strider, that's that should be an obvious one for, for best keeper. Anything to add on there? Yeah, I have. I was Julio Rodriguez a finalist? If not, I'll I'll shout him out as an honorable mention. Wow, I thought you'd still. I guess you're you're over He's... your hatred of him. I I think I'm over my hatred. I don't know. He's kind of an enigma to me because he had just an insane summer to get to where he finished. And I looked and like over the last 30 days, it's back down to like 2.6 points per game, which is startable, but it's not like first or second round startable which is like where he finished this year i just he he's a pretty streaky player and i don't know i don't know if i can maybe if i gave it some thought but his highs are i mean they're high enough to make up for mediocrity and every other time and make him like a top 20 scorer on the year so he's I, I I don't quite know how to feel about Julio Rodriguez anymore. Yeah, I think it's just he is streaky, and you're just gonna have to live with that. Um, like I remember the first first week, uh, the playoffs. I think he was actually like outscoring Acuna, and that was like that was the guy that Scott traded Mike to get Acuna. Yeah, and um, he was outperforming him. He was just on on fire. And uh, so I, th- I think he just that's just part of the deal with him. But yeah, that's a good shout out too. Um, and he was much later than either Wit or or Tucker, um, as well. So he probably was he probably should have been there ahead of those other two. But 
yeah what are you gonna do uh another slam dunk um worst keeper uh yeah alec manoa in the second round by jordan um other names yeah alec manoa is just breaking in the hardware uh for this (laughs) (laughs) this awards for these awards um, the other names were Justin Verlander in the first and Mike Trout was also kept in the first round by Lee Bill and Nick. Um, so yeah, the, the, it's just the opera like Verlander and Trout weren't, I mean, Trout was kind of, was Trout was probably worse just cause he didn't play for the most part, but uh, Verlander was okay when he was in, but he was not worth the first round pick. Neither was Trout, but Alec Manoa was like legitimately plane crash bad. And um, it was I, this is this is a time where I wish that I was able to see like I, I had that value calculator that I was going to talk about just to see like how far in the red Alec Manoa would be like how much negative value has he provided this season combined with his draft costs. Um, any thoughts on worst keeper? Um, just a just honorable mentions. Uh, Jacob Degrom me in the fourth round got hurt after 30 innings which is not as many as i would have liked him to pitch uh chris sale possibly the the worst three-year keeper we've had in the league uh certainly by points um and just a kind of mixed bag season and overall rough for him and then carlos rodan out for so long once he comes back he's he's really rusty and doesn't help brendan get over the hump into the playoffs um he's just he's definitely not a finalist in this category though because he's probably going to be back next year and he's probably going to be better unless of course he really is just ruined by the ranky the yankees all right moving on to best draft pick um, our first one, Justin Steele, picked in the 22nd round by JC. Christian Yelich, picked in the ninth round by Legal and Nick. And Cody Bellinger, picked in the 23rd round by Nick Lee. Jerwin, who's our winner for best draft pick? I'm going to be real with you, Jake. I do not have the final cut for the rest of these picks so you're gonna have to announce them the the envelope got lost on its way to me apparently we don't we definitely don't want to like a la la land situation where we announce the wrong winner Um, because i'm sure these guys would be very disappointed i think that was it right was that did i get the movie right that was one of them involved i feel like i i can't remember if that's the one that actually won and was announced mistakenly or the other way around but yes okay yes i know uh, pop culture very well um okay but anyways best draft pick goes to cody bellinger um the return of cody uh justin Steele. i mean there's no wrong answer here but i went with bellinger just because we had hated on him so hard for like two years before this this felt this like a nice redemption story for him um for whatever reason we just picked it we just were always on on here picking on cody bellinger which felt like, especially last year we didn't do that this year but last year we just were nonstop picking on Cody Bellinger. So I think it's fair that uh his draft cost totally plummeted. And now he is the best draft pick. He's gonna be a pretty good keeper next year. Everybody was wrong about Justin Steele. 
Like I, I, I know that we had the big thing about the trade, but like everybody was just flat out wrong. And if you don't think that you're wrong, you're wrong about that too. I can't even claim a victory lap on it because I also thought that Justin Steele wasn't any good. So I can't even sit up here and say that I was right about it. I was also wrong. Um, Justin Steele ended up being the best part of that trade. He ended up being, frankly, the best player involved in that trade. And he, like, he's going to finish no lower than third in Cy Young voting. He's going to be a pretty good keeper for next year. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Going to worst draft pick. Um, we got some. We got some good ones. Josh Bell picked in the fifth round by JC. Jake Cronenworth picked in the fourth round by JC. We originally, I was, I think I'm an audible here because like we, well, Jazz Chisholm picked in the third round by Brendan. Now this is where, this is where it's going to be a little bit of a, uh, I guess like a little bit iffy because I originally had the winner as Jake Cronenworth in the fourth round. How can, how can we have our, our worst, like our, our least valuable player not be our worst draft pick? Because like everybody saw that Jake Cronenworth was going to be a bad pick from a mile away. And like, he was a bad pick. He was on star. He was worse than, than Chisholm was. It's just like the, I think for least valuable player, what I was going for was more like the disappointment of that. But like, I don't really think many people were disappointed, maybe except for JC, who was probably disappointed with Jake Cronenworth. But like everybody else wasn't really disappointed with Jake Cronenworth because like, no, I don't think anybody thought that he was any good anyways. So that's what I'm going for. That's what I was going for for that one. Yeah, I mean, maybe we could have flipped it. Cronenworth, least valuable, worst pick. Was it. But, you know, I, we got to, you know, s- spread stuff around. We, it, not everyone can be Alec Manoa just absolutely raking tonight. That's true. Alec Manoa had to be the uh, the big winner there. By any, the way, any has, anyone come to add to, for... has anyone come in to claim these? I, I've... No, I've just been claiming them all on their behalf. Oh, okay. Well, that's very generous of you, Jake. Yeah, I think Alec Mano is actually the only one here. He's he's the only one who showed up because he's not playing actual baseball. Um, yeah, he's okay. got time. Yes. Any honorable mentions to add to worst draft pick? I had down Miguel Vargas in the fifth round, which I also know was a very um, highly scrutinized pick. That was by League Villain, Villain Nick. I didn't have any others for this one. Okay, so we have one final award, which is the Best Waiver Ad Award. And our finalist for this one, Zach Eflin, added by League Villain Nick. Um, Kyle Bradish, which was who was added by me. And the last one that I added, because I did this, Cole Reagans for his outstanding playoff performance also added by me and i just get to do that because i made this um all right so our winner zach efflin of the villain next team he had an outstanding season um the rays fixed yet fixed yet another pitcher um i think i it, it was tough between bradish had a much better second half but i actually didn't start him that much for whatever reason so I felt like I couldn't really give an award to somebody that was sitting on my bench most of the time. And while Reagan's probably had the biggest impact out of anybody, just in terms of the playoffs, like he was outstanding and he was a spark, uh, he wasn't added. He he didn't have the full body of work that Eflin did. Eflin was a solid 
pitcher that was in Nick's lineup week in and week out. So I think it's fair that he gets the best waiver ad award because ultimately if we're just doing um, like cumulative value, I think that Eflin probably added the most to league villain next season. So that's why I think that he's, he's very deserving of this award. Um, anything to add, Jerwin? Any honorable mentions? Uh, I mean, I mentioned Nolan Jones already, just the outstanding championship performance. That was two weeks, but it's it's important to recognize that like he had the most important port, uh, performance of the season. Eduardo Rodriguez, I also had on here. He was one of, I think he was the second waiver ad of the year. He might have been on and off after that, but I, I just happened to like go the whole way back and see who like start from the beginning to put a list together for this um and yeah and he had a pretty good season it wasn't like blow your socks off kind of season but he was he was decent uh a shout out to spencer steer who i added originally and then dropped and then he was really good over the summer and i believe league villain nick picked him up um and uh bryce elder because i uh i told everyone that he would not be on a roster for very long and he is still on a roster granted that's eddie's roster and i don't think he's looked at his roster in quite a while but um you know at least at least he did make it and i i think that's at least partially deserved he hasn't been that terrible uh down the stretch so all right, now for the parts that I'm sure everybody has skipped ahead to listen to, the next season preview, um, where we will be previewing the next season. Uh, let's start off with the division reveal, and um, if people really wanted to know this, they could have just gone into the or gone into the uh, the league constitution and looked. But our divisions for next year, the East will be me, Nate, Nick Lee. The Nick, formerly known as League Villain, because I am the new League Villain, Brendan, and Jordan, and over in the West, Jerwin, Scott, JC, Mike, Sam, and the Ghost of Eddie. Jerwin, any thoughts on these uh, on the divisions for next year? Uh, two, two quick ones. The East, uh, just on paper. Looking at the the owners that are in it looks primed for another season where we talk about the East-West divide. Um, but of course, I, I mean, I was a semifinal. I was a finalist uh, this year in the West. Scott could have, should have, almost won. Was literally a strike away from winning. Uh, and Mike and Sam both have really good keeper pools going into next season. So I, I would imagine they, they have at least a strong start to the year. Um, and then just wrapping up thoughts on the West with my second takeaway kind of thing to watch for is what is Eddie's replacement going to, going to bring to the league? Is, are we going to see a struggling new owner? Are they going to come in guns a blazing? I don't know. I don't. I don't have any anybody that I was thinking about asking either. We could ask uh, Alec Manoa. We could. He's uh still hanging out here. I hear he's available. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he might be out of the league, so he might be able to do stuff like fantasy baseball. So, 
they might be okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll see if a, a league legend, my grandpa, could make a return. Maybe he would be willing to. Uh, I guess not really a return, but he'd be uh, he'd be willing to um, to take on the ghost of Eddie's team. Man, I can I can hear the shuddering and the fear from here. <laughs> All right, now the more even more exciting thing. We are going to do the uh, the draft order. Um, so first things first, I am going to share my screen um, just to make sure there is no cheating involved. Um, as we know, we do a draft lottery system. So, and it's actually not really how most leagues do it. I'm sure everybody knows this by now, but I'm just going to reiterate. Um, so Nate, by virtue of coming in fourth, he actually has the best chance for the first overall pick. Um, and everybody who made the playoffs has a better chance than anybody who didn't make the playoffs. This was done to prevent tanking. And honestly, it's largely Sam's fault. So blame him because he kept tanking and it was making me upset. I'm just, I'm just kidding. There were other people doing it too. And it just seemed best to maybe discourage playoff teams selling off all their assets to like the top four teams just wasn't fostering a very competitive environment and something realistically should have probably been done about that so this is what we came up with and it's seemingly worked and really the i don't really understand like tanking for a better player for a better spot in a snake draft anyways because it's like why would you why it's a snake draft by virtue of you know being a snake draft is generally like no spot should be better than any other spots like, and it and it varies from year to year. So like I, I don't I never really got that, but it, it was just creating an, an unhealthy environment. So we we decided to to switch it up. So that's where we are. Um so Nate, we I, I have this virtual draft pick lottery. Um and we have virtual ping pong balls. So Nate has 20. Nick Lee, JC, Mike, and League Villain Nick all have 13. Sam, Brendan, the ghost of Eddie, and Jordan all have seven. And um, the me, Scott, and Jerwin have zero because we are locked in at the back of the draft. So without further ado, let me share my screen if I can remember how to do that. Um, it's been a whole season since. Yeah, it has. Since I only do this. I do this. One, I do this once a year. Okay, Jerwin. Are we? Can you see my screen? I can see, and I verify that the the results entered here are uh, what you just went over. All right, you're clicking submit. It is spinning. All right, let's uh, let's go in reverse order. I think the ninth pick, the ghost of Eddie, oh, poor ghost of Eddie, poor person who has to take over that team. Pick number eight. Jordan. Pick number seven, Brendan. Pick number six, Mike. Pick number five, JC. Pick number four, Nick Lee. Pick number three, Nate. Pick number two, League Villain Nick. Which means pick number one is Sam. So, 
That All is our that tanking work. finally paid off. All that tanking finally paid off. So I think is this the first time Sam's ever had the first overall pick? I feel like he's had it one time before. That sounds like that's correct. That's a thing that has happened before. But I can well, any wrong. in any event, congratulations to Sam. He's he's one that I definitely know is going to be excited about this first overall pick. So the draft order. Uh picking first will be Sam. Picking second will be League Villain Nick. Picking third will be Nate. Picking fourth will be Nick Lee. Picking fifth will be JC. Picking sixth will be Mike. Picking seventh will be Brendan. Picking eighth will be Jordan. Picking ninth will be somebody that we don't know yet. Um, picking 10th will be Scott. Picking 11th will be Jerwin. And I will be picking 12th. So that is the draft order. Um, and with that, I think that's all we that's all we have. Um, I don't know if Jerwin, do you have any any final thoughts? Um, I just I have one takeaway about the draft order, and it is that Justin is in the middle of the draft order, which means that his picks will be spread out. So we won't have to wait all four to five minutes for his back-to-back picks like we did this past year. And uh, there was much rejoicing. JC, I believe in you that you're going to you're going to make quicker picks until it doesn't happen, like until the until you run down the clock in like the first round. But until then, I believe. All right. Well, that'll do it for that'll do it for this year. Um, thanks, Jerwin. We we made it to the end. Um, I was gonna do an impromptu airing of grievances, but just because we didn't get to do one. Um, so Jerwin, do you have any grievances to air? Gosh, so many. Uh, my grievance is against the institution of fantasy football. Uh, it is a terrible time. It is not fun. Uh, I hate it with a fiery passion. And I say this and I am about to score like 180 points for the second week in a row in one of my leagues. Um, but I, I don't care. I am not having fun. This is it is a it is a bad, bad experience. All of all of the bad things about fantasy baseball are worse in football. It has none of the good things. Um and yeah, and that's all I've got to say about that. I did not start that airing of grievances properly, but I was caught off guard. Um <laughs> That is that is how I feel very deeply. All right, I've got a lot of problems with you people, and you're going to hear about it. Um, and really, I just I got one one problem with several offenders, and that is the constant tweets about the players in the group chat. It's got to stop. I despise it with everything. Every single time that a tweet is sent in the group chat about a player's performance, it's oftentimes not even about a player that I care about, but I automatically root for that player to fail um in the immediate aftermath because it's you're just blowing out my phone with with tweets i don't care about and um yeah i i just you know enough's enough is all i gotta say um that's all i gotta say about that but uh and that's all i gotta say on this podcast for this year i'm gonna take a break let my voice rest for the year um and we'll come back strong in uh in 2024 thanks everybody for sticking with us and we will see you next season